welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello, and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode 200 for Saturday the 9th of May, 2020. Coming up this week on the fourth anniversary and the 200th episode of this podcast diary, I've finally decided to make this my last instalment. I'll be telling you what's coming up next in my indie author career, plus I'll be giving you my final roundup of writing news. But as ever, let's start with this week's writing updates, and the five-figure fiction formula is now written. Since we last spoke, I've written chapters 13 to 18. I've basically been doing a chapter a day. I've gone through all the reader comments. I've done my final read of the sort of chapters. I've done three chapters an evening all the way through the week. So um, I've gone through reader comments as they've come in. That's pretty well on a daily basis. But also I did my final swoop starting at chapter one and working all the way through the book more carefully, looking at changes that I want to make rather than readers have suggested. And so I've gone right through the book. This morning, I always put the drawbridge up and say, there we go, we're closed for comments now. I downloaded the file from Google Drive. I've just gone through the spellings, the grammar suggestions, all the bits and pieces. Um, I had a few comments about using quite too much and very too much. I've gone through and looked for those. There's only two quites in the whole book now. And I don't think there's maybe two varies, two or three varies in the whole book. So you know, I've gone through all those things, all those bad habits, uh, tried to be consistent with labeling, all those sorts of things. And I've sent it off to Julie Stock now, who will give it a proofread. Uh, Julie was expecting it on Sunday the 10th, so I'm a couple of days ahead of schedule. And that book is going to go live. I say it's going to go live. I might make it before then, but it will be live by the 15th of June to coincide with the last of the how-to episodes I'm going to be running from next Saturday. So the book comes in at about 36,000 words, and that is my last non-fiction for now. And when when Julie has gone through it, I mean, I pretty well know what the page count's going to be because Julie's not doing something like a structural edit where you would say, oh, you need to remove that paragraph or that whole chapter. We're not into that ball game. Um, Julie's going to go through and, you know, check all the, the spelling and the, you know, uh, grammar, things like that, go through all the, basically a proofread. Uh, but it's not good to, basically, I won't be removing paragraphs or pages as part of that process as I might be in a in a full sort of structural edit that I would get. So I pretty well know what the page count is going to be, but I will just wait until Judas does the edit to confirm that. And then that page count goes over to Sean Stevens at Flintlock Covers. Sean will then be able to know how uh, the size of the uh, the spine width on the paperback book, and he'll send me over the final cover for that, and uh, it will be listed uh, all over the place. So um, that book's now finished. So you know, you know that when we went into lockdown, which was on my on my birthday actually, twenty third of March. Um, that's the day we went into lockdown. That's a way to remember your 55th birthday, isn't it? Um, you know, I, I sort of felt immediately unsettled by everything that was going on. And so I made a switch. I can't even remember what my original plans were now, but I made that switch to nonfiction. And I've pretty well got three books written and published, uh, you know, during during this particular uh, crisis, this particular pandemic. Uh, so it does feel like I've managed to salvage the time and at least be productive. And it's good to see when I'm looking at my PT author profile on Amazon now, that nice line of books with those lovely covers. And I'm thinking, like, you know, those at the very most, I might review those books once a year and 
the changes I'm going to have to make will be tiny. Uh, they won't be this, of the same scale, uh, the same pain that it's, it is to change the books with screenshots and the WordPress or the email book. I mean, literally, it will be a light read just to make sure that there are all the existing softwares, I guess, that I mentioned are still, all the services are still open and still doing what what I said they do and just to make sure that I don't need to add anything to a bullet point list uh, you know that's the most I'm going to do and it won't take me very it'll take me a day to do that probably so I'm really pleased that I've managed to come up with a, a non-fiction format that works for me and I just want to give a shout out to Lords, to Fiona to Pip and to Julie Cordner um, who've gone sort of right the way through the book uh, and added their comments. Thank you very much for that. And, and as always, when I have comments in the book, you know, some I some I accept. In fact, most of them I accept. Some of them I don't for editorial reasons. Um, the most common, the most common thing that I will reject is if somebody suggests you're a source that maybe I don't like or I have zero experience of. Um, you know, or it doesn't feel like it applies to that uh, book. So that's it's usually um, a resource suggestion that I, I I can't vouch for because, you know, it's my book, it's my name, it's stuff I put my name to. So sometimes if somebody suggests something to me, I think, well, I can't really put my name to that. So I, I will, that's really the only basis why I wouldn't put something and I pretty well accept all the language uh, suggestions, grammar suggestions and um, uh, Lords uh, particularly um, is in the is in the US and I've, been, uh, it's been really interesting. I think about three or four times Lords has said to me, um, I don't even understand what that means. You know, it's a UK turn of phrase, uh, and Lord just doesn't know what I'm talking about. Which is, is always very fascinating. This because you know in the UK you just accept these phrases that you use, and you think that everybody knows what they mean. And in the US they often don't know what they mean. And I had about I think it was about three or four phrases. It wasn't that many, but Lord just said I just don't know what you're talking about. So obviously I rephrased those and put them into a, into a more international uh, friendly format. So I do find that um, you know US reader elements because this is where I sell my book to the US and the UK so it's really important I get this right um I really do appreciate that sort of US uh, voice just saying you know that doesn't work for me I don't understand what that means I think that's quite an important thing in the books and, and as I say you know I, I know from experience that I sell pretty well now as much of the UK as I do in the US so the US audience is really important to me so now I start to plot and plan the next fiction. I got a couple of weeks. I think next week basically has been signed over to finishing off my client work. So I've currently got three client bookings next week. I'm just waiting for a fourth to come in. That will finish off all my client commitments. I would have done my sort of, you know, prescribed hours with everybody at that point. And uh, last invoicing day is Friday the 15th. And so I'll get my invoice in and that will be it for the corporate work. I'm, I'm then done. So I, in a very loose, relaxed kind of way, I'm going to start sketching down broad ideas for fiction. But I then have two weeks where I've got focused focus planning work on that fiction. By focus planning work, you know, I need to come up with a uh, a plan and outline over the next three weeks for the first fiction book that I'm going to write. And then I'm uh, starting to write on the 1st of June. It's like trying to hit a moving target at the moment. I don't know how we're going to be about, you know, going back to work and going back to university and things like that. It's anybody's guess at the moment. So I've just really had to make a plan and I'll pivot if I have to. But my rough plan from the 1st of June is to write um, a fiction chapter a day, much as I've been writing non-fiction. I've got into a nice routine that it fits my day now. Um, so I'm assuming that, that life will be disrupted, the family will be at home. And so I'm going to write effectively a chapter, one point 
7,000 words a day for six days of the week. And that will be my 10,000 words a week for my fiction books. That's what I'm planning to do. I may pivot that just based upon how it works. I do find fiction and nonfiction very diff- different, but I- I'm hoping that uh, two- 1.7 thousand words, you know, maximum 2,000 words should, should touch wood, feel like a breeze to me because I've, until this point, I've always written 5,000 words a day. So I'm hoping that 2,000 will, will feel like a breeze and it will be something that I can keep up uh, during this current climate of um, uncertainty and changing plans. I'm not planning to write any more non-fiction for now. I had dabbled with the idea and then I just thought, no, I'm not, I'm not going to. Those three books are fine. I feel like I've written three books on stuff I know a lot about. So, um, you know, the podcast book really is a kind of tour de force of podcasts. I'm really happy with that podcast book. There's everything I know about there. And, and, and it was quite nice writing the stuff about radio in that book as well. So, you know, I've, I've enjoyed the podcast book. The product creation book, uh, distills everything I learned when I was an internet marketer. So I feel like I've put all that experience into a book. And then I also, with the writing, feel like I've put all my writing experience up to date. Doesn't mean there's not a book two coming if, if I'm ever able to move things on. But it, that feels like it's drawn a line under everything that's happened in the last you know four to five years of myself publishing and brought my writing right up to date um, in, in that book. Everything I know up to date. So those books feel like they are the books for me to write at the moment there's nothing that I'm thinking of that I've missed I feel like I've missed out on in any way so I'm not there's no burning topic that I feel I ought to write about now clearly there are topics that I I could write about so I know a couple of listeners to this podcast have said to me about writing a time management book but I'm not really sure there's a book in that I mean I've, I've I've always put a little bit about time management I think I've put it in the the digital product book, um, and and I, I will have alluded to it in the in the podcast book, uh, and also I've put a bit about time management in this book, but I'm not entirely sure that I've got a whole book on time management in me. Um, so, to me, it feels like something that just needs to be added to existing books. There are other things like WordPress and email marketing. Again, people ask me about this, but you know, they just change too much and they just don't feel like they're the right things to put in a book anymore. Now, what I, I think I mentioned this to you the other week, I, I took my WordPress book and my email marketing book. I took the Word files and I removed all the images in those files and I've just boiled them down to text. And they're just going to sit on my computer. And I really want to get the measure of how much time I've got and the rhythm of my days you know when when all the pandemic stuff stops so at the moment i'm i'm running in the mornings to keep out of the way everybody of everybody when things get back to normal i don't know when that will be i'm i think in my head i can't imagine that i would get involved want to get involved in those things till at least sort of septemberish anyway just to make sure we're out of the woods um so i'm sort of thinking well septemberish maybe you know i'd join my evening running groups which would mean i wasn't up in the morning running to avoid everybody and then, you know, part run may start then. Again, I won't go to part run too early. I, I'm i thinking it'll be August, September before I even think about something like a part run. It's, even if they start up again, I don't think they will. So, you know, it's so so difficult, isn't it, with, with this moving target to know what you're going to do. But I do want to, and I'm playing Scrabble with my mum, obviously, all the time my mum's 
locked in the house. Um, you know, she has been for about seven weeks now. You know, obviously want to make sure I'm keeping my mum company and checking in with her regularly. So we've got the Scrabble games every afternoon, which I'm really enjoying. Actually, the funny thing is, is um, you know, while, I, while I'm playing Scrabble, while my mum's working out what she's going to lay, you know, we're chatting on Skype and I'm usually doing some small web job or something like that. So it's actually a very productive time for me. The other day I was, what was I doing? The other day I was making some changes to a website. I was playing a Scrabble game with one of my kids. I was playing a Scrabble game with my mum all at the same time. So uh, uh, that's a bit of multitasking for you, isn't it? I think I won one of the Scrabble games. I lost against one of my kids. I lost. I won against my mum, uh, and I got some web work done. So I don't find that, um, you know, inverted commas, because it's never unproductive time when you, um, you know, making sure your mum or your dad or somebody in your family is okay. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm actually getting some work done during that time. And I actually find when when I play Scrabble, I'm not a big, I'm not a big fan of board games in that um, – I like to be busy all the time and ball games don't really occupy me enough nowadays. And I'm, and I, but I, but I love Scrabble, but, it, but you know, that waiting in between turns and things, I, I find it a bit boring. Um, I go into sleep mode. Whereas when we play on the screen and I, and I can do things in between times, uh, it keeps me alert and I play a much better game. I'm winning loads of games against my mum at the moment, but it just keeps me more alert than I play a better game, I think. So I, I have discovered something about myself playing this online Scrabble. Anyhow, don't think I'll be writing any more non-fiction. If I do, it won't be for a while. I f- that's me done now. I want to move on to fiction next. And so uh, this week, um, and it's actually, it's funny, it, it was Lord's comments in my non-fiction book that made me think about this. If you remember, when I wrote Now You See Her, I had Bill Cocus going through the book and Bill uh, doing much as Lords did uh, in this non-fiction book, uh, which was, you know, Bill lives in the US as does Lords. And, and Lords um, and, and Bill were basically saying, don't know what this means, or this is what we would say in the States. So tyres is a good example. I spell tyres in the UK, T-Y-R-E-S. Uh, tyres in the States is T-I-R-E-S. They haven't got a clue what we're talking about when we spell it our way. And that's all absolutely fine by me. But sometimes you don't think of that if you live in the UK. So I value that input um, immensely. It was so useful, you know, Bill's input and Lords's input on that. Um, and And looking at the changes that Lords had done, I thought, I don't know, because I'm sort of struggling with the writing at the moment. I need to give myself the best chance of success because of all the disruption around us. And I don't really deal well with disruption. I'm thinking that I might not go to the Shallow Falls trilogy next. The reason for that is, is it's harder for me to write in a US context. I I have to, you know, think in a different way when I, I have to, the language has to be different all the time. Whereas if I write another Morecambe Bay book, it's UK, it's safe territory, um, you know, the, in terms of um, the universe that the book set in, it's all very familiar because all these places really exist. So I was thinking that, um, and I'll determine this in the next couple of weeks, when I start to jot down my ideas, I'll see what I get enthusiastic about. I'll return to the plots and the characters, and, and, and really it's about what fires first in me in terms of a story. So I, I sent an email to, to Julie Cordner yesterday and just said, just to warn you, I'm dithering a little bit about whether I'm going to go to Shallow Falls next or whether I'm going to go to uh, the next three books in the Morecambe Bay trilogy. And earlier in this week, I sat down and looked at my planning schedule. And, and again, you know, it's so hard, isn't it, to know how things are going to go. But we're still aiming to go to Spain. Interestingly, with the Spain trip, we were looking at going... Um, 
taking a ferry to Santander from Plymouth or Portsmouth and then taking the train from Santander to Alicante. So we were looking at an alternative to the planes, uh, you know, because if if the travel is restricted in some way still at that point. So I, I'm pretty determined to go out there. Uh, you know, the only thing that's going to stop me is obviously if there's a resurgence and it's really dangerous and it'd be crazy to do that um we've got to watch the insurance because we're still hell-bent on uh, removing ourselves from europe and and so i, I got to make sure we're insured when we're out there properly and i don't know what that's going to look like um and you know we don't know what the planes are going to look like but at the moment i'm having to plan you know the planes are booked i heard the accommodations booked currently first day in spain will be the first of november so um, I'm working to that at the moment. So I counted the days back and I could write, I've got enough time to comfortably write uh, a trilogy between June the 1st and, well, November the 1st, isn't it? What's that? June, July, August, September, October, five months. So I've got enough time in five months to write a trilogy. And that would be a more Bay trilogy. And so the, adv- the reason I want to do that is because I want to try writing in a series I don't want to write a series that's but one book, two book, three book, four book, five book, six like that. I don't want to get caught like that because I think that's hard to sell. What I want to do with a series is I want to write self-contained trilogies. And you know what I think about trilogies and how much I like to sell those and how easy I find them to sell. And I want to write a series that is sequential trilogies. Each trilogy stands on its own, which means it's a marketing unit. But the trilogies themselves are sequential. So you would um, you could read trilogy one or trilogy two in isolation and they would make sense. But in terms of my plotting, trilogy one comes before trilogy two in the sort of historical timeline. Um, so I create a series, but I also create units that I can sell and market. Uh, and, and that's how I want to approach series writing. So again, from a strategic point of view, there's a big plus for me writing the next Morgan Bay trilogy and finding out if that works for me. But also the path of least resistance, because I've already written Now You See Her, is to write books two and three of the Shadow Falls trilogy, because it means I've only got to write two books in between now and November rather than three. My my plan is that you know, I either write the Shadow Falls books in between now and November and then when I'm in Spain if we get to Spain um, I write the three books the next Morecambe Bay trilogy books or I'll just swap them out so it doesn't really make an awful lot of difference to be honest with you Um, so what will determine that is my planning over the next couple of days and I just as I say as a courtesy sent Julie Cordner a note to say uh, just to let you know, I'm going to be talking about this. I may have a third book for you, um, you know, to drop on your plate before, um, you know, Christmas or roundabout sort of, oh, I don't know when it will be finished. It'll be, when will I finish it? Well, it'll be end of uh, October. I'll finish it at the end of October. So there may be another book sort of coming um, before Christmas for an edit. So I will make that decision over the next uh, couple of weeks and we'll see which story sort of excites me most. And I feel like I'm going to launch into it with a great deal of impetus. Let's get into the general writing news then. And uh, I should just say that last week's forgotten words, if you listen to last week's episode, you'll know what I'm talking about, were foils and methadone. <laughs> so foils was the bookshop that the Alliance of Independent Authors event was held in. So that was foils in London. And then I was talking about uh, methadone. I can't even remember what the context was now. Uh, something that they give to drug users to wean them off drugs. And methadone was the word I was trying to think of. So those were last week's missing words or forgotten words that I couldn't quite recollect in time. They always come to me when it's too late. And hopefully, hopefully there won't be any today. 
I wanted to mention Dave Chesson, who's done a brilliant article. This is so handy uh, about Amazon review links. You may have heard this on the Selmore Book Show. They gave it a mention, but this is a really big problem. When you want to encourage readers to review your book, this call to action at the end of your ebooks, you know, please leave a review, that, that call to action. I don't know about you, but I don't put the link in anymore because there's no, never been a tidy link I can send people to. I can't even really send them to the book page. And I think, I think if you've bought it already, it says you've purchased this item and from there, I think you get to the reviews page. Um, and it's never been tidy. So I've stopped doing it. I used to do it, but I don't do it anymore because it's such an untidy experience for the reader. But Dave Chesson's done this great uh, blog post and video which shows you a an Amazon link format where you can send people directly to a review page. So that's so useful. And thank you, Dave, for doing that. It's brilliant. I've added Dave's video and a link to his blog post on the resources page for this episode, episode 200. Um, so, you know, that's, that's just brilliant information. A uh, little insight into my May figures. So the box set is continuing to sell well. It's not selling as well as it was. So the sales have dropped. I think roughly speaking, I last month I was always selling over uh, 450 copies a day. Um, and I don't think that, that doesn't count page reads, of course, but I was selling over 450. Those are sales per day. Now, if I look at the... If I look at my kind of rankings for this week, we're with a, I've got the first full seven days. I've got one, two, three of those days I sold over 450 books and four of those days I sold just under 450. So probably between 425 books and 450 uh, and 450 books. So last month I was pretty well always over 450 sales a day. That was the, the the benchmark I was looking at. So the sales have dropped very, very slightly. We're roughly, again, these are rough figures. Uh, we're about, in terms of income and outgoings, we're about 225 out for Facebook ads and about 450 in. So we're about, not, I would say we're about, without having done the calculations, about 90 to 100% profit a day. So clearly it's still going well and it's going better than March but not as well as April. And if I continue to sell at this rate, if that continues throughout this month, I'm on target for earnings this month of 13 to 14,000 pounds. The numbers say 14,000 at the moment, but I'm just assuming that, you know, they'll, they'll drop a bit. So I'm, I'm, I'm being cautious with that and saying probably about 13. So it's more than March. March was 10,000 something. April was 16,000. I think it was, was it 15, 16,000, whatever it was. And then this will be about 13, 14, I think. So, you know, I am seeing it um, struggle a little bit now. I have tweaked my budgets. Uh, because I was, I'm doing much better in the UK. So I've changed my daily budget to £100 a day in the US and £150 a day in the UK. I had last week adjusted my audiences. I think I mentioned this to you. Uh, and I'd taken the age down to 25 plus. I've moved that back to 30 plus again now. And I've removed in the UK targeting to Lee Child, Dennis Lahan, Lahane, Lahan, Lahane. Whatever, however you say that, and Steve Larson. I was I was a bit iffy about those as targets. Not really quite my kind of reader, but I've left them on in the states, and so the states does seem to be doing okay with that. But I, I took them off the UK. 
So at the end of this month, I, I will have achieved my income targets. Well, I, you know, I hope I've achieved my income targets if it continues to earn at that rate. So my targets are at the moment to have my my salary and the tax savings for the next two years. So they will be, um, when Amazon pay me, that will be in the pot uh, by a monthly salary, basically, I'll have a twenty-four month salary from the from from those book sales, um, including the tax. I'm now making a monthly transfer from my business account to my personal account, and part of this is the plan for Spain in this tax year. I, when we go to Spain, we might get uh, residencia. We're looking for residencia, which means that we could uh, stay in Spain if we want to. And you know, there's so many, there's so many ifs, buts, and maybes with this over Brexit and pandemics and all sorts. But these are aspirations. And what I said to my wife is, what I want to do is, I want to show a, a regular pattern. Uh, of uninterrupted salary payments from the business account to my personal account so that when we're waiving statements at um, you know we're trying to go for this uh, residencia uh, paperwork in Spain um they can see that the writing is bringing in a regular income so there's 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 purpose behind that the other thing is that's 2 years worth of salary uh, and then all my software and services have been paid for for the year so my web hosting site ground book funnel everything mailer lights all been paid a year up front everything i use in the business and then i'll also have money put by for next year so everything else can be paid up front so when they all come due in april of next year i can pay them all for a year up front so basically um that's sort of two years worth of my ongoing business expenses and then finally I will have put in, in uh, put in the, the bank, and uh, Judy Cordner will be pleased to hear this. And I will I will have put the the editing money for my next five edits. So for the next two shallow falls, for the next three more bays, that money will be in the bank. Plus for the book covers, uh, the, uh, for the next five books, that money will also be in the bank. So at the end of this month, if I hit that thirteen fourteen thousand pound earnings target. If I didn't earn a penny on my books for the next two years, my sort of business, uh, it would have taken care of my business expenses for the next two years. So, uh, you know, I, I tell you that just to let you know how the money's getting spent, uh, because I know a lot of younger people go off and buy flashy sports cars and things like that. Right? I'm quite happy driving old bangers. Uh, I don't care about that stuff. Um, and, and I'm sort of putting a plan in, in place. Now, obviously, I will earn more money than that. Oh, there's one more thing I've done, sorry, with the budget. I don't know whether I told you, but for, for years, it, it, I always run a spreadsheet. You know, I, I budget way ahead. I always like to know what my expenses are way ahead. And um, I like to pay my bills as soon as possible. And, um, I, for years, I've, and I should have adjusted this figure ages ago, but I've always put a holding amount in for the amount that I'm going to earn from Amazon. And it, I haven't changed it for ages, but that holding amount is 75 pounds. You know, I, for a long time, a long, long time, I've been confident that I'm going to earn at least 75 pounds on my books, um, every month. And so I thought, well, look, for just for budgeting purposes, I'll, I'll budget. You know, a notional seventy-five pounds in Amazon every month, um, just just to project a minimum cash flow. And um, I should have put that up about two years ago because it's been a lot. You know, my regular—I say you know guaranteed, but what what I know I'm probably going to earn every month has been a lot more than that for a long time. Um, but I've I've just out of habit left at seventy-five pounds. 
but you know the frustration is is that when you when you come to a new month and you'll know this if you if you've got any kind of level of income coming in on your books when you're looking at book report or you're looking at the, the kdp um payments dashboard it's really depressing when you go from like one month's earnings you know whatever those earnings are and then it goes to zero all of a sudden and in my accounts of course I don't start changing the numbers until my income has exceeded £75. And I've always found that quite, uh, you know, depressing at the beginning of a month to just think, oh, it feels like I've just reset the clock every month. So one of the other things I've done with, with the money that I know I've got coming in is I've, I've set my projection for monthly income. I know this is a bit, you know, of a bit of a geeky technical thing, but I've set it to zero. So every month, like from the minute I earn that first pound, um, I could be counting and adding money in my spreadsheet projection. It's exciting from the minute that the money starts coming in rather than having to accrue that £75 before I'm sort of drawing breath. So I've also, again, used that money that I know I've got coming in to, to, to do that. So, you know, that's a lovely business position um, to be in. Uh, it, it's a, obviously it's a very strong position, but you know you'll notice that that's not all going on a on a sports car or anything like that. It's all going it's all going for strategic purposes, um, either in our domestic life uh, or in uh, my in my business life. Uh, but it's a lovely position to be in, you know, to know that that income is taken care of for two years. But it's not going to change anything. What am I going to do? Uh, you know, if, if I ever needed convincing. The reason that this money has come in is because I've written so many books. And actually, the secret is, I'm more convinced about this than ever, is just write more books. The more books you've got, the easier it is to make money from them. Because the other thing that's been going on, of course, I've only told you about this box set, but I had another payment or it's coming in today. I've got another payment coming from um, John and James. I got a Slack message from James saying, um, you know, payments on its way. I looked at that and thought, wow, that was more than I thought it was going to be. So that that's like a passive income. I don't have to even market those books. I just get a nice Slack message from from James every month saying we're making the payment for my science fiction books, which is fabulous. And um, so that's another source of income. And I got my first uh, email today from Ingram Spark. I've only sold a couple of books, but I'm going to make some money from Ingram Sparks. I've got, I've got pockets of money. You know, I had, um, was it Draft the Digital paid me something that I didn't even realize I'd earned, uh, this week. And you've got all these little pockets of money coming from all these little things that you're doing. And I am convinced that this is the secret of it. You write more books, you have more units, you've got more things that you could do that you could market. Um, you know, and I'm just convinced of that. And, and so of course now my nonfiction books are listed wide. I'm going to have three books on Ingram Spark. So I'll get three little pockets of money from Ingram Spark every month. And three little po- pockets of money will be slightly more than one little pocket of money. Y- y- do you see where I'm going with this? You know, that, that actually the 20 books to 50K scenario, you might not make 50K, uh, but but you will make more money just by virtue of having more books. And when you've got more books, you can package them differently. And all those little units are making sales uh, all the time. So you know, that's one big thing I, I've learned from this. And of course, I would not have been able to make that box set if I didn't have the 12 books to put in the box set. And the other thing I told you, you know, the little strategy I said to you um, about putting Now You See Her, which isn't in the box set, um, that is is now my regularly my number two best-selling book because people who are reading the box set uh, are obviously, um, thank goodness, the majority of them are enjoying the books. And at the end of the 12 books, they're thinking, well, I want a little bit more. Thank you very much. And, and many of them are going on to buy Now You See Her at Full Price, which squeezes more money out of the deal for me, of course, and, and gives me more bang for my buck from the advertising income, uh, for the, I beg your pardon, the advertising outgoings. 
Um, so, uh, but it's making me sort of more money and, and pushing to a book that maybe wouldn't have got found or sold. So, you know, that's all good stuff. So, you know, I think that's uh, uh, writing more books is a great strategy, and, and that's so. That's what I'm going to do next. Certainly, uh, five more fiction books coming up in this next year. So, in between now and the end of March. Uh, 2000 and what is it 21 uh, five more fiction books potentially a couple of more non-fiction books but I won't commit to the non-fictions uh, until number one I get some sort of inspiration of something that I can lend a lot of um, value and knowledge to number two it's going to be a timeless book like the three I've just written so there may be an, uh, another couple of non-fictions coming don't know what they're going to be just now so uh, what I'm planning on doing, as I said to you, you know, the, the, the expenses of this Facebook advertising are relentless. Um, and I, obviously, you know, the minute I get paid on at the end of May, all that money pretty well is going to go into settling off the credit cards. And then I will, I will breathe and relax a little bit more when those credit cards um, are paid off. But there's no way I could keep up with it. You know, the expenditure on the, on the, on the ads is just so great and fast. You've got to put it on a credit card. You couldn't do it any other way. Uh, but I will eventually get ahead. So when I get paid at the end of June, I will actually get ahead of that. And I can then start to pay for Facebook ads in cash at that point, uh, which will make me a lot happier. But what I'm probably going to do at the end of this month, having sort of reached, I just want to make, make sure I reach those two year goals that I've got. I will probably stop. Um, advertising on Facebook and then I'm going to go and have a push for book bubs in that month so when I stop advertising on Facebook that box set will go to something like you know 11.99 12.99 on Amazon basically to stop people buying it um, because I want people then to buy I want to force people to buy the paperbacks at that point and so to you know to make sure they don't to make sure I get bang for my buck on a book bub I'm gonna I'm gonna try and get um Left for Dead or Don't Tell Meg on a BookBub. So I'll try and then make my income from BookBub for the following month until I get the next payment from Amazon to make me feel more comfortable out of the credit cards. And then I'll probably go back to Facebook ads when I can pay in cash. But I just want to come back to BookBub and, and sell sort of stat paperbacks and, and, um, you know, a trilogy series and maybe just make my money from that for a month and then come back to the Facebook ads. So just to test that. I have this week booked promos. Uh, so these are going to run next week, but I, I've made the bookings this week. I've got email promos coming up next week at Bargain Booksy, Book Doggy, BK Nights, and E-Reader News Today, because I want to see how much of a no-brainer deal that is when it's marketed through an email channel. And then that will give me a sense for will that work? Because it's about $900. If I, if I do a, if I do that box set on a 99p pence or a sense promo on bookbub it's about 900 and something dollars which makes me just you know makes me gasp for breath it's so much this is a small test low cost tests to see if that's no brainer deal it's working on facebook but will it work if i send it through email promos so i'm going to i've got those four promos running next week and we'll see how it goes and then i can submit the box set to a bookbub deal again on the 24th of May. If I submit it on the 24th of May, it won't run till June, which means I'll be out of the Facebook ads. You know, that'll be my month on the Facebook ads at that point. And then um, I could put the box set up to something ridiculous like 11.99 where no one will buy it and it will force them then to buy the the paperbacks and the standalones, uh, which is what I want at that stage strategically. So we'll see how those email promos go this week. Four of them running next week. I just want to see whether that gives me a bump 
in my sales. My experience of 99 pence or cents promos, they don't really do very much. I mean, you, you know, you always sell a few, but nothing to write home about. Um, you know, because I did it with the, I did it virtually every week, didn't I? With every book virtually on the rapid release sequence that I did. I didn't find it. I just felt like I'd wasted my money most of the time. So we'll see how it goes with this because this is really a no-brainer deal. You know, 12 books, 99 cents, that's an amazing deal. But let's see if email works to shift some copies of that. Um, so, you know, that, that's the strategy next. Um, with Ingram Spark, I'm actually kind of, you know, getting quite an appetite for this now. And I, I'm getting better with the Ingram Spark interface. I'm getting more used to it and what my responses are and what my categories are and how I do things. So I am finding the Ingram Spark process much, much easier now. And let me tell you that I used to do it. I used to have terrible trouble with Ingram Spark. It used to drive me spare that they, they need a particular kind of PDF file with embedded fonts. And before Vellum was out, I used to have terrible trouble with this, getting the fonts embedded in a, you know, in a format that they, they were happy with. But now I've got Vellum, everything just goes straight through, which is fantastic. I'm using, I'm making the most of the, there's a promo that Ingram Spark have out at the moment to list all your books for free. So I'm getting all of that, you know, I've listed all of these for free. I'm not paying for them. And of course I'm getting my revisions for free as well. So I've now listed, um, now you see her, um, on Ingram Spark, the Walker Bay trilogy is listed on Spark on Ingram Spark. As are my two non-fiction books, and my third non-fiction book will also go on Ingram Spark. Um, I've just sent Stuart Bache yesterday. He is going to do me paperback versions of my six standalones. So he did me lovely new ebook covers for uh, six of my standalone thrillers, ready for rapid release. They were brilliant covers. I love those covers. And he's good to now, I'm just paying him the extra to turn those into paperbacks. And when I get those paperbacks, I will list all of my standalone thrillers as paperback on Amazon, and they will get listed on Ingram Spark as well. So that will be, I think with the exception of phase six, and I can't remember whether I got a paperback version of phase six. If I haven't, I'll probably go and order one. And um, that will mean I want to get, basically, I just, because I'm tidying things up in the business, I want to have all my books uh, listed in paperback format and in paperback format they'll be on Amazon and they will be on uh, Ingram Spark and they will be on the remaining channels that draft the digital you know the library listing channels and publish drive allow me to have so they'll be listed everywhere in paperback format and that that sort of feels nice and neat and as I say you know all I'll do is I'll get small pockets of money from all of these things they won't be huge um, but all of these little pockets of money go to increase your income over time. And I'm only sweating an asset that I've already made. I've already written the book. Uh, I might as well make it available as as many formats as I possibly can. So I'm looking forward to those Stuart Beige paperbacks coming back. That's That'll be really great. But I feel that because I've gone through all those books now and edited them and I'm getting really good feedback, it's interesting because when I did the 12th, uh, you know, the big box set that I'm, I'm selling at the moment I stacked it with the ones that I know get the best feedback first and what I'm getting a lot of now is uh, lots of the people who are reading saying I read all 12 of them they're all brilliant um you, you know so people who like who like the way I write are saying I'm, I'm getting lots of this that they like all the stories so I feel like you know when I was saying to you about my house style the style of my books my brand I feel like I've got that right now and, and I feel that that feedback reflects that. So again, you know, those books to me now, um, I've played about with them. I've got them where I want them. I'm happy with them now. I've, I've got rid of the head hopping bits and things like that. 
I've, I've got rid of my worst excesses and I feel like the books are fine now. And so therefore I can commit them to paperback. So that, that all feels very exciting. Now, you know, I'm not going to make a lot of money from that, but it's a service to readers. The other thing I'm getting very constantly on my Facebook uh, comments for the, the adverts that I got running is, are these available in paperback? Well, of course, the two trilogies and now you see her are available in paperback at the moment on Amazon. Um, but the standalones aren't. So because I've got people asking about paperbacks, I thought it's time, it's time to do that now. So, that just feels like a good tidying up thing to be able to do. I think I've already mentioned this. I did mention this already, but I'm I'm finishing off my clients next week, uh, my client work. Um, so I won't be doing any work under those contracts anymore. Um, so I'm not going to be doing any one-to-one training for the foreseeable future. So I, I really sort of wanted to d- ditch that sort of thing. And I'm just uh, going to get on, you know, uh, quietly and not do any training. And, and by that, you know, I, you won't see me doing any training for some time now, um, even in a, in a video format. Though I have got one last thing to tell you about at the end of this podcast podcast episode which will be my last um training event for now um while i i just really want the ground to settle and to figure out what i want to do next that's really why i'm saying that but i won't be doing any of this contract training anymore um you know those contracts are good to go and that's that's one of the the things that i could do as as a result of having these three amazing earning months i mean my earnings are good to be probably um 50,000 over over 3 months by the looks of it is that right am i on am i telling you nonsense 10 16 26 add 4 no 40,000 not 50 40,000 they're going to be 40,000 over those 4 months is that right have i done the maths right you, it's it's 16 plus 10 plus 40 40 isn't it it is 40 <laughs> I used to be a teacher, you know. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it's 40. I used to have like queues of kids at the desk all wanting their uh, long multiplication uh, mark. I used to be a real wizard in those days. I didn't even use calculators. I used to whiz through all the long multiplication stuff in those days, but uh, not anymore. Um, so, yeah, it's 40,000, isn't it? So what, what that allows me to do, you know, it, it buys me now the freedom to say, that's fine, that's all I'm doing is I'm just doing my writing now. That's That's what I'm going to do. Uh, I want to get some much-needed author platform work done alongside my fiction planning. You know, I know I need to go to MailerLite. I need to look at my websites and do some reviews. I've got some podcast in, uh, reorganization to do. So I actually did a little... I'm doing a little bit of this work all the time. This is the sort of stuff I'm doing when I'm playing Scrabble with my mum. But I've effectively thrown a dust sheet over selfpublishingjourneys.com. And you won't really notice if you look at it. But by a dust sheet, what I mean is I've just set it up as a it's that website's just going to sit there with this last episode and the, la- um, the last five craft episodes that I'm about to, to, to send you over the, the next five weeks. Those are not good to go on that website. Uh, they'll come through your podcast feed um, and, and they will, will they go into YouTube? They might not even go to YouTube actually. I'm not sure. I'll have to think about that. They'll probably just come through the podcast feed, those episodes. If you're not subscribed to the feed, then you probably won't get them and they won't go on the website page. The reason for that is, is those five how-to episodes, if I do start a new podcast, they're going to be the first episodes in the new uh, podcast. They'll be the first sort of five holding episodes in the new podcast. So, um, you know, there's strategy to all all of these things, but uh, they will come through your feed, but they won't be uh, distributed uh, widely. So they're pretty well just a service to 
listeners who, who consume this podcast through the feed. So just a warning about that, that they, you know, they probably won't go to YouTube um, and it won't get promoted on uh, Twitter or Facebook or anywhere else like that. It'll just come through the feed, those next five episodes. So again, the reason for that is, is that um, I've got all these episodes and all the episodes went to YouTube. And so what I want to do is I want to, on the website, I'm going to move the the audio feed um, or the episodes, each episode has a YouTube video, but it's not a video because it's just like a static image on the video. It's really just an audio uh, file is what I'm trying to say. So I need to move all those YouTube audio files, a lot of work to do there, uh, to move them onto the web pages, and then I can stop paying Libsyn for the feed. Because if I, if I turn off Libsyn, all those episodes will disappear. I want to keep the back catalogue. So I checked, uh, again, I, I checked in YouTube this week. I've got every single episode is available through the YouTube feed. I won't remove it from YouTube, but I will take the, the audio embeds that Libsyn creates. I will replace them with the YouTube files. Then I can switch off Libsyn and stop paying for that. And then my self-publishing journeys website then uh, it just becomes an evergreen website. It's very nicely keyworded. Uh, it becomes a perpetual resource. But what you will see on that site now is that the purpose of that site is to sell my non-fiction books, you know, particularly the five-figure uh, fiction formula. Uh, that, that's the sole purpose of that website, to make affiliate payments, um, uh, to make affiliate income, to, to sell my non-fiction books, to build my non-fiction newsletter, so there's a there's a call to action to uh, you know to to, to um, subscribe, and also um, to maybe get some what's called buy me coffee or support, and I'll talk about buy me coffee in a moment or two. Buy me coffee is a Patreon um, substitute; it's it's a different service, and you you'll, I'll talk about that in a moment or two. So um, the RSS feed will remain live. So. Um, again, this is a little bit geeky, so just put your fingers in your ears if you don't know anything about podcasts. But po podcasts effectively work through an RSS feed, and, and, and blogs have RSS feeds too. And every time you create a new episode, if you've subscribed to the podcast, the RSS feed basically says, here's a new episode, and it delivers it to your podcast feeder um, or, or whatever you've got on your phone. And it's the same with the blog post. So if people subscribe to your blog, um, the RSS feed effectively lets them know that the postman's here with a new delivery, with a new episode. And so my RSS feed, I delivered my RSS feed through something called FeedBurner, which is a Google service, which means that I can swap the feed to a different source and it will still, the, the, the new podcast will just arrive in your channel on your phone. So what I, I would suggest is, you know, if you, if you do want to just kind of have the radar around, just in case I do start a new podcast, you could just leave the feed on your phone um, it won't bring any new episodes in, but if I do start a new podcast, that, that episode should just automatically pop up on your phone if that happens sometime in the future. So that's a little bit geeky. Just ignore that if that makes no sense to you. Um, so if I do start a new podcast, I, I think it's going to be on Anchor, uh, basically for speed and simplicity. Anchor's just a free uh, podcasting service. It just takes care of all the hosting and everything for me. Um, and I will use a service... Again, if I do do this, uh, it's going to be. I'll use a service called Buy Me a Coffee. Now you know that I didn't. I don't really like Patreon, and I'm, I'm the kind of guy who sort of when I everybody says about support me on Patreon nowadays. To the extent that I'm, it's almost like white noise, isn't it? Now when everybody says support me on Patreon, support me on Patreon, and I didn't really like Patreon. Um, I didn't really like the model of Patreon, and I can't remember why I heard this, but I heard about Buy Me a Coffee. 
on somebody's podcast the other day and I thought I'm going to have a look at that and see how it works and buy me a coffee is like patreon but it, i think it's way better I, i'm just going to mention this to you in case you are thinking of going down the patreon model i think buy me a coffee is much better um and buy me a coffee effectively allows people to uh, make a, a one-off micropayment so you can set it so that the price of a coffee is one dollar or you know one pound whatever it is and so they can buy you one coffee two coffees three coffees and they can t- effectively tip you on a one-off basis. Now, the problem with Patreon is, is that you can't do a one-off tip. Now, you know, I don't like signing up for monthly recurring things. I would rather pay you for a year. So, you know, I'd rather support your podcast and, and like pay you $100 and say, that's it for the year. Thank you very much. That's my tip for the year. I don't like monthly recurring. It's just a thing I've got about it. Or I'd rather just tip you $5. You know, that was a good episode. I'll just tip you $5 as a one-off. And Patreon doesn't allow me to do either of those things. Whereas Buy Me A Coffee does. Buy Me A Coffee, you could do one-off payments, tiny payments, or you could sort of say, actually, I'll buy you three coffees. Or you can have that monthly subscription, just like Patreon, if you want to. So it does what Patreon does. Or you could just pay to be a the equivalent of a patron for a year and you can get that exclusive content so you pay for it up front effectively on an annual renewal so to my mind number one it's uh, saying buy me a coffee rather than support me on patreon is not like white noise Uh, you're giving a different message as a podcast host or as an artist who's asking for support it's it's something different so therefore it, it disrupts the the white noise you know normally it's all oh, you know support me on patreon support me on patreon support me on patreon we hear it so many times now whereas buy me a coffee is something new so it's more likely to get the attention but also i think from a supporter's point of view not everybody can you know you might want to support something but you might not feel that you want to commit to um, a year uh, of monthly payments and to my mind this is a much more flexible option because you do one-off tips um, you've got flexibility about how much you tip and you could do uh, monthly recurring which is what Patreon does or you could just pay for the year up front and so I, I, I think that's a much better service so I, I recommend it to you it's called buy me a coffee oh the other thing I like about buy me a coffee by the way is that not only does it use PayPal it takes Stripe and I love Stripe as a payment processor. You'll see if you've read my How to Create Digital Products book, you'll know that I, I say how much I love Stripe as a, as a buyer, as somebody who pays online. I absolutely love Stripe. It remembers all your details. It's much nicer than PayPal. But the problem with PayPal is, is that most people, particularly older people who are less confident about paying online, they trust it. They know PayPal because they've used eBay, most of them. And so PayPal is, is, is trusted and it doesn't get resistance. So to me, this is the perfect combination, PayPal and Stripe, the the, the, it's a beautiful combo of payment processes. So um, my tip is if you're considering Patreon um, or if you are using it already, do take a look at Buy Me A Coffee. I think that's a way, way better um, option in, in, in my opinion and with my kind of geek head on. Um, that's the one I'm going for. So that's a long way of saying to you that you know if I do do 
a, a new podcast. And please, you know, it's not going to be at the end of the five weeks. There's, um, I just realized there's so much to do. You know, you've got to give it a brand. You've got to give it a name. It needs a website. It needs a feed setting up. There's so much to do with it. I just thought, I don't want to be, I don't want to be har- hurried with this. If I do do a podcast, I'll see how I feel. Um, if I do do one, I'll just take my time with it. And when it's ready to go, I'll, I'll launch the thing, uh, if and when I'm ready. And to be honest with you, you know, it'll be the same old stuff. It won't change. It's just really the focus that I want to change. So I came up with a, a title for it. So I, I think at the moment, my working title is, is it, uh, where is it? I've written it down somewhere here and I've lost where I am. Um, it's something like, uh, the writer, the writing business. It's something like that, the writing business. So it's all about writing. It's all about the business of writing. But I want something now that isn't just about newbies. Uh, and I want something that allows me to focus on marketing and web stuff because you know that interests me. But I also know, um, that the, the podcast diary format is popular. Um, and so I would, I would do the diary. I like doing the diary too. So I would also do the diary. So, so effectively what I'm looking at, if I do, I say, I'm not, I don't know when I'm going to return to it yet. <laughs> I'm going into the wilderness for a while. Um, but if I do decide to return to it, it will still have the podcast diary, uh, anyway. And that will be on the same day and same format and everything else. The, the only difference will be is that I will have seasons of, of other episodes. And some of those episodes will be, about marketing and some of them might be with authors who are you know maybe doing amazon ads we might have just a run of four um, interviews with authors just about amazon ads but the focus is going to change you're not going to hear me saying what tools you use to write with it would be more about um, marketing more about selling books less about you know what do you use to write with how did you get started writing those sort of those kind of new questions it's going to assume that you've you've already got books and you're selling them and you want to know how to sell more so it's really just a tweak in emphasis if i if, if i come back um and you know in, in very basic terms it'll be the same old nonsense with a new lick of paint if i come back that's basically what it'll be and a couple of tweaks so as i say i'm not promising anything um but that's where my mind is uh, at the moment just to let you know how i'm minded to do things one last thing then, uh, Publish Drive. I got a lovely email from Publish Drive this week saying that they're now, this is the first time I've seen it. It's probably the first time I've seen it because it's the first time I've had books listed that, that would be eligible for this. Um, but Publish Drive have emailed me to say that then they're giving me access to Apple Book Promos. So I can't remember what they were. They were fiction promos, I think. But they were saying, if you want to be in this Apple Book Promo, uh, let us know. So Publish Drive now are giving you access to Apple Books promotions. So if you are wide, um, that's a great thing, I would suggest. I wouldn't have a clue how to get hold of them if I was listed on Apple, but I do like that Publish Driver are managing that for us now. Okay, before we go into the last bit, this week's mentions, Edwin Downward has uh, sent me a bunny finale and has sent a couple of cute bunny pics this week. So thank you very much for that, Edwin. Just to let you know, by the way, I'm also going to go a bit quiet on social media. So this week, I went through my LinkedIn profile and I removed... 900 and something connections and as I went through the connections I thought you know are we ever going to do business again are you a contact made through my um you know corporate life and so effectively it's about I've left it at about 65 uh people who number one I'm interested in number two I know personally number three you know they're related to what I do now so I ditched loads of people on LinkedIn and I locked my settings down so that I'm harder to find on Twitter I've now made my tweets private to only people who follow me. And I've, again, I've gone through my followers 
and got rid of a load of people who just frankly are nothing to do with what I'm doing now. Uh, so don't worry, if you're connected with me through this podcast, you won't be on that list. I'm, these are people, you know, when you look at your list, you think, why am I following you? Who are you even? I don't even know you. It's that kind of thing. That Those are the ones I'm getting rid of. Um, and so you, and you won't see me posting anything on social media either. So I, you know, I will, I'm disappearing for a little while. I want to break from social media. Um, so I can't, if I could, if I could unpublish my Twitter feed and then re, re republish it like you can with a Facebook page, I would be doing that. I can't do that. So I've just locked it down as much as possible, but I won't be playing on Twitter, um, for a while. Um, you know, I just want to uh, go to ground for a little while with that. So, um, Edwin, it seems particularly suitable that you should uh, post a couple of lovely rabbit pictures for me there. And those will pretty well be the last kind of, you know, pictures that we see. Um, you know, the, the last kind of, um, podcast interactions. Um, because as I said to you, the next podcast that you get in the next five weeks, I will not be promoting those on social media. They'll just go only on the feed. So there'll be no sort of social plan from me at all. Um, um, after this episode, uh, just going to go quiet for a little while. Okay. So what's coming next? My 2020, 21 aims. I want to get, um, well, I will have got a total of three nonfiction books written and published by, well, I've done them pretty well now, but as soon as, um, by, by the 15th of June, certainly by the 15th of June, those books are all going to be written, published and available on all the channels. I'll see how those books go, decide whether I'm going to do any more nonfiction, but it won't be more than five nonfictions throughout this year. I'm going to do another three more bays. They will be parts four to six of the Morecambe Bay series. And I think at the moment, probably, we'll see how the planning goes, they'll be done by the end of October. And then I'll do another two thrillers, hopefully in Spain. They will be the Charo Falls trilogy, uh, parts two and three. Um, and, but, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't know what the order of those is going to be. I'll determine that in the next three weeks as I really buckle down now and start to plan my, uh, fiction. We'll see how it goes. Um, I will probably, again, this depends on the time and when people, you know, when my wife maybe starts to go back to work. I don't know when that's going to happen, if it's going to happen. I will, when I have more time in the day and my day's less disrupted by the people around me, I will return to End of Men, which I will write on an ad hoc basis. And there's no targets with that, no deadlines with that. No, you know, I will do 5,000 words a week. I'm just going to pick it up and put it down as I feel like it with End of Men. But my aim my aim saying it's on an ad hoc basis i would like quite like to have the first draft of that you know done by the end of this financial year so march uh, 2021 um so it's got a loose framework on it i.e. that i'm not just going to play around with it forever but i would quite like to to get that first draft written but the priority is the five thrillers so the five thrillers are, are take my priority when that work's done if I've then got, say, two days of the week left, three days of the week left that are clear of writing because I've got ahead with the thrillers, I would then have a look at End of Men. That's how that's going to get done. I think I am pretty well decided now that I want to revise the Don't Tell Meg trilogy. I think I want to give that another edit, but I'll do that in the evenings. Usually what I do is I go through three chapters a night and I do it in the evening. So I suspect I will probably start to do that if I do it, and I am, I am pretty well resolved to do Don't Tell Meg and just work through it and give it an edit, I will probably start to do that in the evenings, three chapters a night, probably from the 1st of June, um, because I think I just want to bring Don't Tell Meg up to a level now um, and make sure that I haven't got any of these 
writing nasties in there like head hopping and things like that and maybe down to tone down the sex scene a little bit and things like that just to put it on brand I want to get all my paperback versions available in Ingram Spark and on wide distribution with proper quality paperback covers. So that will level up the business. Everything's leveled up. All my books are available, you know, in all the channels that they're allowed to be. The paperbacks are wide in the truest sense in that they're available in libraries and things like that. That just feels like a good business move to make right now. And then from March 2021, I will review where I'm up to. Um, you know, I'm going to have another two trilogies by that stage, uh, uh, you know, more units to sell. I'll need to have a think about what I want to write next. Am I going to carry on with Walker Bay? Is it successful enough to, to just keep doing that as a as a long series? It'd be quite nice to have a long series in the works. You know, will I write some more for John James by that stage? I, I don't know. So everything's up for grabs again from March 2021. And then penciled in, possibly possibly a new podcast but only if and when I'm ready with that so that's it this is the final episode of my self-publishing diary and I I know that some of you disagree because I've had messages from people since I said that it was finishing but you know I for me this is the right time to bow out from self-publishing journeys you know I'm still undecided about that new podcast. If it does continue, it'll be called The Writing Business, The Writer Business, something like that, uh, something along those lines. But I want to take a break now, and I want to figure out what shape my post-corporate life is going to take. So my own journey over the last four years of this podcast has taken me from an author who was frankly earning nothing, um, nothing sp- uh, or a li- very little, very sporadically from the books I'd written at that time. Uh, this financial year already, I've made over two times the income of an average traditional author. It'll be four times that income by the end of this month if all goes to plan. And I've had the last two years um, making much more than the average traditional author. So in a small, mid-weight author way, it feels like that I've had some success at this. Uh, you know, certainly a success that I can be pleased with. I'm not wasting my time and it's not a hobby. It's a profitable business um, from my writing. I want to now uh, sort of work through the personal life changes of this year um, in that, you know, I've I've taken um, inverted commas uh, retirement. So my life is my own now. Uh, and I really want to figure out, I think, what shape that life takes. And it's been interesting with the pandemic coming. This is really what's made me think about this. You know, my wife and I celebrated um, 30 years of marriage uh, a couple of weeks ago at the beginning of, of, of April. You know that when lockdown started, I was I was 55 years old. My wife and I, you know, <laughs> even after 30 years of, of marriage and goodness knows how many years we've been together. I can't remember how many it is now. Uh, she'll, she'll tell me off for not knowing uh, 30 something years Um a long time, uh, 37 years, something like that, um, together, um, are enjoying each other's company immensely and have been doing, you know, under lockdown. And, um, and I've been saying to my wife, I, you know, I, I really enjoy this. And I wonder whether the time is right for both of us to finish work now and to sort of just go off. And I'm very happy writing. Uh, that sort of sets me up. I'm very happy doing that. I can do that anywhere in the world. And we're just frankly, you know, looking at this and my wife's joining me for runs now. Uh, she's been out on several 5k runs with me. Uh, I've been sort of coaching her to get up to, to the 5k and we're running a couple of times together now. And it just feels to me like this pandemic is giving us an opportunity for a, a kind of post work life. 
and it won't be a retired life because we'll both kind of keep busy but a life where we're not working for other people and where we've got geographical freedom the third of my children goes to university in September so all the kids will be out of the house in September so hopefully you can feel that from a domestic level you know I'm in a, a, a time of great transition it's an incredibly exciting time and uh, you know it's again after 30 years of marriage quite interesting to sort of you know spend time with your life partner and to look at them and to say actually I still want to spend all my time with you. You know, we're, we're still having a lot of fun and there's still a lot of things that we want to do together. And so I think I just want to feel my way, you know, through that and, and, and figure out what life um, holds next for us. There's, you know, it's a very, a lot of personal changes, um, at the moment. So with that said, it's, you know, just time to duck out from this podcast, duck out of the limelight for a while, uh, just quietly get on for a little while and just see how I feel about things. And then, you know, reemerge knowing kind of what I want to do next. That's how I feel about this. So what I am going to do, I will continue writing, of course, quietly. Um, I'll do fiction, perhaps some nonfiction, and I'll be working towards those personal writing goals. Um, but the podcast uh, will stop, potentially may not be back. I do want to recommend some podcasts that I think really, really well fill the gap that this podcast came to, to solve. When I when I started this podcast four years ago, I desperately wanted to hear, um, you know, somebody who was having the struggles that I was. Uh, you know, everybody was earning zillions of pounds and that wasn't my experience. Um, you know, I wanted to hear what it was like in the trenches. Um, and, and so that's why I started this podcast. And, and uh, I'm pleased to say that there are other podcasts that do that now. So um, the new author podcast with Jerry and Lindsay Evanoff, you know, they, that's really great. You know, Jerry's just slightly ahead of, of Lindsay. They're really working through these teething problems, these initial issues of how do I start my mailing list? You know, how do I build a Facebook page? Do I pay to boost ads or Facebook ads? All these very, very basic things. And I, I don't want to dwell in that territory now. I want to move on to more advanced. I want to assume you've done that and, and tell you what to do when you're doing Facebook ads and you're spending under a quid a day on them that that's the what, what I want to inhabit now and um, so Jerry and Lindsay are, are more than adequately and much more entertainingly inhabiting the space that I I moved into when I started my podcast so I, I do recommend that podcast it's very entertaining uh, they present it you know really well together so um, I listen to that every week so Jerry and Lindsay Evanoff new author podcast and um, also from the uh, self-publishing formula team, it seems to have taken a break at the moment, but the self-publishing spotlight I find really interesting. Um, Tom, I've always forgotten Tom's second name, but Tom always talks to new uh, authors or newer authors who are more recent to writing and uh, most of them haven't started generating enough income to to make a living yet so there's a lot of value in the self-publishing spotlight when that resumes and also a brand new podcast um the aspiring authors podcast which is also you know talking about all the basics as well so um three great podcasts for new and aspiring authors the space that I will be vacating when my podcast stops and I also want to sort of big up some services from friends of this podcast too so Sean Stevens has done a great job at Flintlock Covers of doing my non-fiction now what I try and do is when I make connections with people through the podcast I try and spread the work a bit um, you know it's never good just like it's not good to be reliant on Amazon all the time it's not good to be reliant on the same um, service providers all the time too um, so for instance 
nuisance. You know, I used to get all my books, um, my thrillers edited, my, my fiction edited by Helen Fazal. And Helen does a great edit and has done for years. Um, but Helen, um, uh, works with a lot of non-indie authors. And what I found last year when I was writing eight books is that Helen just simply hadn't got the room for me. Um, she, she just couldn't accommodate the, the fiction at the rate I was sending it to her. And that's absolutely fine. Um, which is why I then, um, you know, Ju- Julie Cordner came forward and said, Oh, I, you know, I do edits on books and, and she gave me a sample edit and we got on very well and it's worked brilliantly. I, how many books have you done now, Julie? Quite a few now, haven't you already? Um, and, and so it's always good to try other services because, you know, if Helen's not available, I need some wiggle room to, to, you know, because I still need books editing. So it's great to be making these contents. And that's why when uh, Judy Stott mentioned to me when I was doing, I wasn't going to get my um, nonfiction proofread. I was just going to put it through a, a kind of Grammarly guide. And when Judy Stock said, do you want to try my service for nonfiction? I said, just on a whim, yeah, let's try it. And, and so basically these give me permutations in my business, but I just want to recommend all four of those services because I've used them. They've done a great job. You know, they deliver on time. They give me, they've given me great service. Thank you all for doing that. Um, they all help me hit my deadlines. You know what my deadlines are like. Um, you know, and, and these are the kind of people I want to be working with. So I just wanted to big up some friends of the podcast, uh, Sean Stevens at Flintlock Covers. Judy Cordner at JC Editing, uh, Judy Stock at Clued Up Publishing, and of course, Helen Fazal, who was the editor that I was working with when I started this podcast. You know, when I find people I like working with, I stick with them. Uh, so, you know, and I, I will be sticking with all of those people um, and the services they provide. And I, I like to try and spread the work out, um, you know, among people as well. Um, because as I say, you know, people aren't always available when, when you need them. So it's always good to have somebody else that you know that you can work with, um, strategically. So thank you to all of you for helping me in my, uh, author business. And we will continue, uh, to work together as we move forward. Um, I just wanted to let you know then what's coming up for the next five weeks. I'm going to be releasing, uh, some how-to shows on a weekly basis for the next five weeks and then we'll, you'll have a bumper episode on the fifth week and that will see us out on Saturday the 13th of June. Now these are all recorded, they're all done already and um, so you know, I, this is the last one I'm recording now. So Saturday the 16th of May next Saturday, 10 things you need to know about WordPress, that's really me talking about um, websites, how to build a website effectively. Uh, Saturday the 23rd of May, 10 things you need to know about MailChimp. Saturday the 30th of May, 10 things you need to know about book funnel and then on saturday the 6th of june 10 things you need to know about MailerLine. and then we finish on saturday the 13th of june this is recorded already 50 things i've learned about self-publishing since starting this podcast so that takes us to saturday the 13th of june thank you for being a listener and for the last time thank you for listening to these podcast diaries and the best of luck with your own writing from Paul Teague, it's bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.